It's easy for God to bless you, but it's hard to God to get you ready to handle the blessing. And now for After the Blessing. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. And how many of you this year want the blessings of the Lord upon your life? Raise your hand if that's you. And that's just about all of the hands in here. See my wife with two hands up. (laughs) And we in the church, we spend a lot of time focusing on getting the blessings of God, but not nearly as much time getting us ready for the blessings of God to handle it. It's easy for God to bless you, but it's hard to God to get you ready to handle the blessing. Many of our blessings that God has promised us, they're held up because he knows that we're not ready to handle it. He knows that it'll be destructive to us if he gives us the blessing in an unprepared state. And God even told pastor that that even after he blesses he and I to the level of the prophetic that he's spoken, that we were going to get worse. So we're working our best to try to prepare ourselves to minimize the effects of that blessing on us. So this message today is not just to you, but it's to me. It's to pastor and it's to all of us. And God even confirmed this message before I left home today. And as I checked my messages this morning, one of our online members out of state, they had messaged me and said that they had been awarded this large six-figure settlement. And they were saying that they were going to be able to pay off debt and build a house. And they were asking for investment advice. And I knew it was a confirmation of this message today. And I speak to you today from the subject of After the blessing, after the blessing, turn to your neighbor and tell them after the blessing. blessing. And all through history, one of the most blessed positions that you could have or hold was that of the king. And it gave you unparalleled wealth, unmatched honor and fame, respect and control. It gave you unlimited amounts of the most beautiful women and Freedom to just to do whatever you wanted to do. The king was the position that was the anointed one, the most blessed position that people wanted in that day. Even the president of the United States today, they even have to abide by laws and they have to balance their power with Congress and the justice system. But not the king. Whatever the king said went. He was the end all and be all. He didn't have to deal with Congress and the justice If he said kill that person, they had to kill that person even without a trial. The king had power. In the most blessed position in history of the king, of the 42 kings of God's people, there were only seven or eight that were deemed good in the eyes of God. And our definition of good is different than God's definition of good. Our definition many times include whether the country were at war or peace. It includes whether they expanded their territories out and how many people they had under their dominion. It includes the wealth and the fame of the leader. But God uses only one metric, whether the king did what was pleasing 
in the sight of the Lord. Only one thing made them a good king, that they feared and obeyed the Lord. And the same was true for the measure of an evil king, whether they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Solomon, he asked the Lord for wisdom in 1 Kings chapter 3. Pastor actually talked about it last night in service. And God gave him greater wisdom than any king that had lived before him or came after him. And let me read to you how people respected the wisdom of Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 29, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breath of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Azraite, wiser than Heman, Cathcall, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Next, let me read to you the instructions God gave to kings. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 17, starting at verse 16. God said, the king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. And this was God's commandments to the kings. Next, let me tell you what Solomon and all of his wisdom did with the commandments of God. God said, don't acquire a lot of horses. And what did Solomon do? He acquired 12,000 horses. God said, don't accumulate a lot of silver and gold. What did he do? Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 13, it says, The weight of gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents. Six, six, six. And many of you will recognize that number from Revelation. That's how much gold that he received against the commandment of God. And in today's currency, it would have been about a billion dollars of gold that he received yearly. God said, don't accumulate a lot of gold and silver. God said, don't take many wives so your heart won't be led astray. Let me read again to you what the wisest man in all of history did with the commandments of God. And you're hearing why I wanted to start the new year off in obedience with this message. First Kings chapter 11, starting at verse 1, says King Solomon, however, after God had said, don't have many wives, they'll lead your heart astray. What did he do? He said, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. He loved them some women, as you can see. 
from all over the world. He wasn't peculiar about what kind of woman. He said they were from all nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had even 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. As the heart of David, his father had been. He followed Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. And when I read this passage of scripture in my own study time, an empathy hit me where I felt the heart of God. And I even began just to weep in my own prayer closet. He let me feel a piece of the hurt that he felt. For God had given this son of his more wisdom. He had given him anything he would have asked for. He gave him more wisdom than any man that had walked the face of the earth. He gave him more power, more wealth, more honor, a greater palace, built the great temple, gave him all of the women, all of the kings were sending emissaries to hear, to sit at the feet of Solomon. The queen of Sheba came across continents to hear the wisdom dripping from his lips. God gave him more knowledge and understanding than any man that preceded him. Gave him a genius wish of whatever he wanted. And what did he do? He took all the blessings that God had gave him. Built altars to foreign gods. Married foreign women that had done nothing for him. Gods that had never appeared before him once. And God Almighty had appeared before him twice. Never spoken to him once. Gods that never blessed him. Gods that never loved him. And Solomon took the blessings of God. Followed those foreign gods with his foreign wives. That God told him not to marry. It hurt the heart of God, and I felt a piece of that hurt. Imagine, just as a parent, if you have a child that you love, that you clothe and working hard and paying your hard-earned money to clothe them, to put a roof over their head, to spend time with them, to talk with them, to give them guidance when they have problems, to take care of them when they get sick and keeping them home from school. If you go through all of this, them keeping you up at night and You're sacrificing and paying for the education. Imagine if all of that and your child grows up and you put them through school 
They leave your house and they go out and call some other man or woman, mother or father that has done nothing for them. And they despise you that have sacrificed all of these years. Imagine how it would break your heart if you've given your all for this child. That's how God felt with Solomon, giving him whatever he had asked. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, what will you do after God blesses you? Now I want you to look in your own heart and be truthful with thine own self. And ask your own self, what will I do when God blesses me? The third question I want you to ask yourself is if I were God, would I bless me right now? And when I looked at who did what was right in the sight of God the most out of the 42 kings, it was actually not the most known king. It wasn't the most powerful king. It wasn't the king that had the largest territory. It was actually the second Youngest king in the Bible. It was King Josiah who became king at only eight years old. Second Kings chapter 23 starting at verse 25. And it reminded me of the scripture that talked about a little child or leader. And it's, it reads, and like unto him, talking about King Josiah, and like unto him, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart. And with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. I'm going to read that verse again in the New Living Translation because I don't think you know enough about him. And he's been given the honor that he should have for what he's done. So this will make it clearer. It says, never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength. Obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since. How the Bible describes Solomon's wisdom is how it describes Josiah's obedience. And he declares that there's never a king before him like him and never a king after him. And what made him that way was being obedient to what God has said. And they didn't have Bibles in that day like we do readily available today. But King Josiah, they searched and in this dilapidated temple, they found back in a room one book of the law and they brought it to King Josiah. And he got so excited that he finally had a copy of this book of the law that we don't even read nowadays, easily at our disposable on our phones. He was so glad to just find one copy of what God told them to do. That he called all of the people together and said, you all gather around. I've found something of great value that I want you to hear what the Lord God Almighty, who has brought us out of Egypt, who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has written for us to do. And he himself, he didn't call a priest to read it. He read it himself. He made the people there stand there and listen while he read the book of the law in its entirety as king himself. And he didn't just read it. He went on a rampage to say, now that we know what God has said, we have to do everything that is in this law. He went and burned and tore down every altar that his forefathers, even though he loved his daddy, he tore down every altar his daddy had built. Even though he respected his granddaddy, he tore down Every idol 
that his granddaddy and every forefather had built before him and he burned it and took the ashes outside of the city. He didn't even want the remnant in his city of that which was detestable unto his God. And he went and rounded up all of the priests and all of those who were teaching and divining from other gods. And he got rid of them one way or another out of his kingdom. That is why God said he was the greatest of them. And you might say, well, that was the old days and they had a lot of myths and superstitions and didn't have digital Bibles and all the understanding of the Bible that we have today. We've got commentaries and we've got mega churches and TV ministries. So today we've got it readily available and that's why they strayed away from God. If they knew what we know today, then they wouldn't have turned like that. Well, let's look and see if it's any different today. Solomon was the richest man in the world in that day. Today, for the past few years, the person who's been richest the longest is Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, SpaceX, and now Twitter. People came from far and near to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And Elon is the most sought after CEO in the world, much like Solomon. Elon has 123 million followers on Twitter, the second most followed person of all their 368 million users. He would be considered by most to be the most innovative man alive and is disrupting the most industries. And let's see what he has done recently with knowledge and wealth similar to Solomon. After Elon bought Twitter, he conducted a poll to see whether or not he should reinstate the Twitter account of Donald Trump. The poll got over 15 million votes. And after the poll ended and it was in Trump's favor, he reinstated Trump's account. And then Elon tweeted this in Latin. Vox populi, vox daily. It's a Latin phrase that translates when I looked it up. And most people didn't know what it meant because it was Latin. I looked it up and it means the voice of the people is the voice of God. And I'm sorry, Mr. Musk, you're a smart man. But I stand here to tell you as a representative of God, as a servant, that the voice of the people is not the voice of God. The voice of the people said Give us Barabbas. The voice of God said, you need Jesus. The voice of the people said, crucify him. The voice of God said, follow him. The voice of the people told Aaron to make us golden calves to worship. The voice of God said, have no other gods before me. The voice of the people cried out and said, give us a king. The voice of God said, a king is going to oppress you. Let me lead you as your righteous king. The voice of the people has never been the voice of God. This past Halloween, I saw a picture of Elon Musk at a Halloween party. And something struck me about his outfit. And I began to research online to find this outfit. And I was able to find 
the store that he bought it from and I went to the page of where they were selling this outfit to see what it was. There's something bothered me about this outfit. And when I found it, I saw exactly why it bothered me. The name of the outfit, when I found it from the seller, was the devil's champion. That was the name of the outfit at the store. And I was going to put it on the screen, but I said, I don't even want the image of this outfit in this place. And it was a $7,500 armor that he wore. And the outfit has a large picture of the head of a goat in the chest. And on this head of the goat and the forehead of the goat has a cross that's upside down. And this same image is on both forearms. And then when you turn it around to the back, if you look at the back of my shirt, it has a large cross on it. On the back of his has the satanic cross that's turned inverted upside down. And all around the emblems on the front and the back are flames of fire. And the outfit is called the devil's champion that he wore to a public engagement. I tell you today, the heart of man hasn't changed from Solomon's day. What was done then is being done now with somebody in a similar position of wealth and knowledge. Mark chapter 8 verse 36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Paul equates greed here in this passage with idolatry as money becomes the idol God. Even written on our money, it says, in God we trust. And instead, many have made the money itself an idol God. And as you can see, very few people have been able to receive the blessings of God and stay obedient to God. The best way to prepare to be obedient to God after the blessings of God is to walk in obedience before you get the blessings of God and to go over the list of what God has told you to do daily. Deuteronomy 17 verses 18 and 19 says the king is supposed to copy the law of God onto a scroll with his own hand. He's not supposed to get one of his scribes to write it, but the king himself is supposed to copy the law of God onto a scroll himself, and he is supposed to read over it daily. And that is why Josiah was able to do what God said to do and to stay on it because he was reading what God said daily. And if you don't write it down and if you don't read it, it'll slip your mind, it'll slip your focus, and the world will distract you. So write down today when you get home, start this new year off. Go back through your memory and write down everything that God has spoken you to do. Before you get focused on the blessings and thinking about prophecies and getting excited about things you read on the internet, you go home and write down everything. You focus on what he has told you to do. Get in obedience to his word because I can guarantee you if you're not in obedience, 
with little when he blesses you with much. You will not be in obedience. The distractions will be greater. The freedom will be greater. Your reliance on him will be less. So the best way to prevent what has happened to other kings, to other men and women, that he's blessed and they turn from him, is to walk in obedience now with what you already know, with what you already have, to write down what he's told you, to review it daily, to keep it before your eyes and in your heart. And I ask you today, as I close, are you ready for the blessing? Are you ready for the blessing? I thank you today for tuning in to Brothers of the Word. I pray that this message has stirred something in your heart and that you'll not just hear it, but you'll take action, that you'll write down what God has told you, that you'll get busy doing what God has said. God bless you. And you can send this message to a friend on brothersoftheword.com. We thank you, Brother, you need the word. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled After the Blessing by James Bronner. This message is number 8258. That's 8258 to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 8258 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because brother you need the word.